0: Sweet, cool. Well, welcome. Yeah, Uh, you're the only eighth grader. Congratulations. My name's Terrell. Uh, I'm the junior high pastor at Faith Bible Church. Uh, So so thankful to be here. Uh, Are you guys having fun so far at camp? Yeah, it's great, right? Um, I love camp. It's one of my favorite parts of the year. Uh, I've been involved in a lot of camps now. Um, How many of you? Some of you have been to Albania. Anybody ever? No, none of no one here. Okay, hey, your, your siblings, maybe. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I did some camps there, uh, and it was very different from here. They're, they participate in all the games with much more enthusiasm, and so you have to live up for that, you know. Uh, and, you know, I had some pretty crazy experiences there. Today we're going to be talking about how to live in a wicked and dark world, and I've been thinking about darkness a lot and how hard it is to live in the dark or how hard it is to walk. In darkness, right? It's not easy to walk in the dark. You'd much rather prefer to walk in the light, right? Just practically speaking. When I was in Albania during a camp, one of the traditions that I didn't know about at the time, but that was acted on upon me, was uh, we were interning for this camp and setting everything up. And these Albanians... You know they're talking to me in albania and they're you know spitting out different things and i'm trying to uh you know figure out what they're saying and learning their language well one time during camp they walked us uh in the dark it was very dark and obviously we're in a different country we have no idea where we are and a different campsite and it's very dark and they're like you want to go help us close the gate the gate is like a mile down and so we need to go close it in case anybody tries to come in and like steal things And, you know, hurt us. And so we go and we close the gate. Uh, Well, we think that we are. So we go there. We walk down. We're having a good time. Good conversations. I'm a little bit frightened by the scenery and the darkness. But we go and we eventually close the gate. I'm like, okay, all of us, we needed 10 people for that. All of us Americans and a couple of Albanians. And then we start walking back. And all of a sudden, there's a body on the floor in the woods and we see it and right next to the body is a man and he's digging up a hole to put the body inside and all of us see this okay my friend Solomon likes to commentate during sermons and uh, it's okay Solomon you're good uh it's an interesting story but uh he's digging up this hole for the body and we all see it and we're like no So we start sprinting down all this hill, the the, the mile-long hill in the darkness, not knowing where we're going. We have these measly flashlights because, of course, they didn't support us with anything. And then all of a sudden, another guy comes out of the forest, and he starts running after us. And another girl comes out of the forest, and she starts running after us. And we're full-on sprinting down this hill in the darkness, and I have no idea what's going on. They're chasing after us, and I was about to throw everything I had at them because I thought I was going to die. And it uh, turns out they were all Albanians, and they were just trying to trick us and haunt us and scare us for the rest of our lives, which they did. And if you know Nick Tanawi, he later that night pooped his pants. And so and that's for you and uh, for Ryland. And so, uh, so it's not easy walking in the darkness, right? You don't know what's happening. You don't know what's going to come out at you. You don't know the dangers that are facing you. So it's much Uh, desirable to walk in the light instead, right? And so as Christians, we are made alive in Christ. We, are dead souls, are made alive by Christ through faith, through uh, repentance from our sins, and our hearts are transformed. We're given new hearts. We're given new desires. We no longer want to sin because we hate sin like God hates sin, right? And we love God much more than we love our sin, much more. It means that our hearts are completely changed, that our our entire desires have shifted. Doesn't mean that we won't still sin. We will still sin, but we won't desire to sin more. We will desire to stop and kill our sin if we are genuinely saved, right? If we are made alive in Christ. And so the difficulty is you come up here, and like I said in the chapel, we have all these Great activities. We have session in the morning. We have session at night. We have discipleship groups. You fellowship with one another and all of you are, you know, Christian. And so you're talking about Christian things and there's not really a lot of temptation here. But then you go down the mountain and the distractions come back, right? You go back to the same school. You hang out with the same sinful friends, maybe, and you're back in the world and it's dark and it's wicked And you need to know how to navigate as a Christian through this darkness, right? So that's what I hope we'll we'll learn about tonight in our passage. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, staying in the book of Ephesians. We know that the Bible has the answers to all of our questions. It has all of the wisdom that we need in order to survive. And it certainly helps us navigate through a dark and wicked world. Let me tell you more reasons why this is important. How many of you uh, go to public school? Anybody go to public school? Okay, a few of you. Homeschool, okay? Most of you, right? Homeschool? Okay, so public school, homeschool, either way you're going to interact with the world and it has, it's going to have some influence on you. And the way that our society is headed. Have you noticed? Is it good or bad? Is it good or bad? Bad. It's bad, right? It's getting worse and worse. And the trend is, uh, there's a theme verse for our world and it's in Judges and it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes, right? I mean, that describes perfectly what our society is like now. You do what is right in your own eyes. You decide what is true you decide what is good for you, and we're just going to live our best lives and be happy. And if you say that my truth is not the truth, then you're offending me and you're persecuting me, and that's not good. Right? We're making up our own truths. Truth is not truth anymore. It's just confusion and it's insanity. And everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes. It's pretty insane. And so to walk now as a Christian in our world, to be able to stand for the truth is becoming more and more difficult, right? Would you say so? I mean, maybe you'll interact with friends uh, who are unbelievers and uh, people at school, and they'll say things like, you know, why, you know, why don't you support homosexuality? Or why aren't you in this movement that we're doing? And how are you going to respond to that? Are you going to give in and say, you know, what? I'm sorry, you know, uh, yeah, it's cool if he if he's a homosexual, like we'll, we'll be fine with that. And, you know, you know, God loves everyone. Yes, he does. But we need to be able to stand firm, stand for the truth and say what is truth, according to what scripture says. Right. We need to be able to do that. And the world is becoming more and more wicked. It's becoming harder and harder to do that. The days are dark. For example, pastors today. Pastors today, uh, including our own pastor, Chris Mueller, John MacArthur, all of those, uh, they're, they're preaching today on biblical sexual morality. That is a biblical view, the right view, the true view on sexuality. You know why? Because in Canada, it is now illegal for you to preach against homosexuality. Did you know this? It's now illegal for you to preach against it, and if you do, you will be thrown into jail. And so the pastors in Canada today are preaching against homosexuality, against uh, or for biblical uh, sexuality, a biblical moral stance on sexuality. And so are our pastors. And if you think that that's just a Canada thing and that that is just something that's outside of the United States, then you are sadly mistaken, right? It is coming. We already see it in some forms. Our world is corrupt. They do not love God. And so we need to be lights of this world and we need to stand for the truth. So that's what Ephesians 5 is going to help us with. We've already learned that we are from the offset dead in our trespasses and sins. And we are only made alive through Christ, through his power. And uh, we're just going to look at Ephesians 5 now. So read it with me, starting in verse 8. Starting in verse 8. says this for you were formerly darkness but now you are light in the lord walk as children of light for the fruit of the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth trying to learn what is pleasing to the lord do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness but instead even expose them For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Let's pray as we begin because I need it and because you need it as we study God's word together. Father, we are so thankful that your word is crystal clear. It is perfect. It is the only truth that we have. It is the only thing that we can rely on. It does not contradict itself. And so we need to trust in your word, Lord. We need to first establish a trust in the word that you have given us. These are your very words that you have breathed out, that you have given to us in order to live in this world, in order to navigate through this dark and wicked world. We know that the days are dark and that it will become tougher and tougher to live as Christians and to stand for you. But Lord, would you give us the strength? Would you give us the wisdom, the courage to stand for you, to stand for your truth, even when it means persecution, rejection. Help us, Lord. Thank you again for your word that is so clear to us, especially this passage, as we'll see and we'll examine our hearts before you. Remember that in our hearts now as we walk in your light. We love you. We need you. We praise you. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so. Excellent passage as we navigate through the world today. If you're looking for points, today Paul lays out three three actions we must take in order to live righteously in a wicked world. In a wicked world, in a corrupt world, in a woke world, three actions we must take. Are you ready number 1, notice the contrast. Notice the contrast look down at verses eight through 10 says for you were formerly what formerly what darkness Darkness. but now you are what light Light. come on you can talk it's fine I know I speak loud at times and you know you can participate but it's fine so let's try it again you were formerly what darkness Darkness. Darkness. and now you are Light. light in the Lord walk as children of light for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. There is a difference between darkness and light. There's a difference between the unbeliever and the believer, correct? A clear difference. Like Morgan said yesterday, you're either dead, dead, or you're alive. You can't be mostly dead or mostly alive. You are either dead or you are alive in Christ. We were born in the darkness. We were by nature children of wrath. And so there is a difference. But now it says, this is addressing, addressing the Christian, addressing the believer. You are light in the world. You are light. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Christ has brought us out of darkness. It was nothing that we could do. It was nothing that we deserved, but he essentially took off the blinders, turned on the lights and allowed us to finally see. That is one of the biggest differences. When you are walking in the darkness, when you do not know Christ, then you will not be able to discern truth from error, right? Because you don't believe the word. You don't trust in the word. And so your life is certainly headed towards destruction. And maybe we can leave that door open because I am heating up. But um, are you hot in here? Okay, thought it was just me. Okay. Uh, But there's a difference, right, between the believer and the unbeliever. We're going to be talking about, especially tonight, different ways that you can acknowledge that. But one of the biggest reasons is just having a relationship with God, having a complete heart change, right? We talked about your heart being completely changed, having a desire no longer for sin, but instead for Christ, instead for what he desires, instead to obey him and the mission of uh, of God and for us is to glorify Christ. And that becomes our mission. That becomes our desire. But Paul here gives us three more reasons, three different contrasts. Okay, so subpoints here. These are three fruits of the light that assures us of our salvation. And I like to look at it in contrast with the unbeliever. So point A, Subpoint a good versus bad simple right good versus bad. This refers to our relationship with others. It refer refers to moral excellence first Thessalonians five fifteen says see that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. This goodness expresses itself in sacrificial willingness to serve others, to love others, to care for others. Whereas the opposite, the bad, the unbeliever's intentions will always be rooted with selfishness. Selfishness, their own desires, their, their desire to only please themselves. Is this a habit for some of you? You might've come here to camp and you thought this camp this weekend is all about me. And uh, I'm going to get fed. And that's true. I hope you, I hope you do. And uh, I'm going to have fun. And uh, I need the bunk bed. I don't want to sleep on the floor. And uh, I want to play the games. Uh, I want to be chosen for that. I want to be first in line for the meals. And it's all about me this weekend. And I'm going to have this big, good time and be transformed. And that's great. I'm glad that you have those hope, hopes for yourselves. But also, this camp isn't about you. Or it shouldn't be. It should be about you also serving others. This is one of the fruits. Are you sacrificial in the way that you serve others? Are you willing to serve others? Are you willing to love on others? This is what is good as opposed to what is bad, as opposed to the darkness. This is one of the fruits. Goodness is a fruit of the light and it's also a fruit of the spirit, right? Goodness. Point B, Righteousness versus wickedness. Righteousness versus wickedness. While goodness relates to our relationship with others, righteousness deals with our relationship with God. It deals with our relationship with God. So we are pursuing righteousness because God is righteous himself, right? He is righteousness. And so our desire, again, is to pursue what he is. Our desire is to become more like who? Christ, right? That's what we want to become. That's what we want to conform into. And Christ is righteous. Whereas the wicked person has no concern for God's law, has no concern for obeying the scriptures, but has only a care for serving himself. And there's a problem here. There's one who submits to the Lord, and there's one who submits for himself only. That's the difference. We serve the true God. We serve the one who sets the standard for truth instead of us believing in our own truth and making up our own truth in order to fit our own religion. Do you understand? So that's point B, righteousness versus wickedness. Point C, true versus False. Now this one's obvious. True versus false. This is dealing with the integrity of the believer. Are you, do you have integrity? Are you trustworthy? Are you honest? Are you reliable? Or are you the exact opposite? Are you one who someone cannot trust? You say one thing and say that you're going to do something, but we can't really rely on you because we know that you won't fall through with it. Or are you someone who is trustworthy, someone who we can rely on? You have integrity. So point A, good versus bad, that deals with the relationship of others. Point B, righteousness versus wickedness, that deals with our relationship with God. And point C, true versus false, that it deals with our integrity, our moral integrity. So these are fruits of the light. This is how we know if we are walking in the light or if we are walking in darkness. And if you're walking in darkness, these will not exhibit in your life, at least for long. Endurance is, in fact, assurance. And so these will reveal false in your life if you are truly walking in darkness. But if you're walking in the light, then we will see these fruits, right? So examine your hearts. Do you see this in your own life? That's how we know if we are walking in the light. So we need to remember that we were once formerly walking in darkness. We need to remember where we have come from, that we were sinners. And so we understand, although it's it's crazy to us how wicked the world is, we understand why, right? Because they are in sin. And they need to be rescued from their sins. So, on one side, we are standing for the truth. We are being courageous. We are making no exceptions for sin. But on the other side, we also understand why they are this way. Because we too were formerly walking in darkness, right? So, that's point number one. Notice the contrast. Point number two obey the commission. Obey the commission. Let's read verses 11 to 13 again. It says this. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Let's focus in on that first part of verse 11. Basically, do not be guilty by association. Right. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I tried very hard to be the best that I could be to be the best student, to be the best child. And I was always so frustrated when I would get in trouble for things that were not my fault. Right. Right like things that you're just caught up in the moment in and some other person is doing it and you're there too and you also get in trouble because you're there. That frustrated me so much because I didn't actually do the thing that was wrong. I was just there. And the same is true here. We are guilty by association. This is saying, why would you put yourself around others who are engaging in wicked and evil deeds. If you are truly someone who is walking in the light, if you are truly saved by Christ, why would you surround yourselves yourself with darkness, with wickedness, with evil? You're guilty by association. Someone's going to see you as and know that you have made this proclamation of faith and that you are a christian that you're a believer and then they're gonna see you hanging out with evil wickedness not doing the actual things that they're doing but hanging around that that is not how we should be because that puts a bad name a bad rep for who god oh this is what christianity is he allows us to do this he allows us to be around this no We need to stay away from that. We're we don't want to be guilty by association. Then the next part of that verse 11 says, but instead, even expose them, even expose them. Now, this is uh, interesting to explore because we want to always, again, stand for the truth. Right. We know what is true. And how do we know what is true? How do we know? Through the word, right? This tells us what is true. This sets the standard. While there's so much confusion, everyone's running around with their heads chopped off and fighting against each other and saying, you're wrong, I'm right. We know what is truly right. We know what is actual truth. So there's one side of it where we will stand for the truth. We will be courageous. When there's someone at school and uh, and again, they are in their sin and they're, they're our friends or we're trying to be a witness to them. We can't just sit there and say, your sin is okay, right? We have to expose the darkness and expose them to the true light. That is the loving thing to do. If my friend is struggling with lust or is he struggling with pride or anything else, I'm gonna tell them, that that is sin and that the way out of that sin is Christ. And I'm going to share the gospel with them, even if it offends them, even if I risk losing their friendship and relationship, I'm going to do it because I would much rather have that than for them to die, not knowing Christ, right? For them to die, not knowing Christ, then blood is on my hands. Because I could have shared the truth with them. I could have shared the gospel with them. The the way out of their sin. The grace that is offered to them. The mercy. The love. The true love. The true satisfaction. I could have shared with them. But instead, I didn't want to offend them. Or hurt their feelings. The true loving thing to do would be to expose, expose them to the light. Share with them what is truly true what is truly good what is the only thing that can satisfy our souls or to give us true love and grace as christians we experience the the greatest joys don't we we experience god's true love that is truly everlasting and, and abounding and never runs out i remember that was a big thing when i got saved was You know, and many of you know, my parents got divorced. And so I was always looking for that. I was always looking for more love. And I sought it through different types of sins, different types of desires, and never was satisfied until I met Christ, until I was saved by Christ. Now I know that I have a father who loves me unconditionally through every circumstance. I know that he loves me. I know that he cares for me. I know that he is all wise. I can talk to him at any point. I know that he forgives me of my sins. Although I'm a sinner and I sin still, he has forgiven me of my sins on the cross. I have the greatest peace in the world. I can die today and be perfectly fine because I know where I am going after I die. I know that I'll be with Christ forever and ever and ever. There'll be no pain, no suffering, just rejoicing and praising our God. And that is the greatest peace. Why would I keep that to myself? Why would I allow my friends, people, people that I know to continue to walk in darkness? Why would I allow my family who I love continue to walk in darkness? My dad is, is one of them. I, I constantly try to share the gospel with him. Um, he, he's not very responsive to it, but I still try. I still expose him to the light, tell him, even though he's my dad and it gets me into arguments that he is sinning and that he is a sinner and that he needs to repent in a loving way, of course, but I don't want to see my dad go to hell. I don't want to see anybody go to hell, right? So we need to expose them to the light. That's the loving thing to do. Um, another part of it is just having a sense of urgency, right? Do you know when you're going to die? No, right? We don't know. I had a friend the, uh, just last week who, uh, who passed away unexpectedly in a car accident. They hit a car. They got out, tried to help them. Another car hit his car, which ran over him, and he died. He has, I think, three or four kids, and they all have no dad anymore. Through the night, unexpectedly, he's very healthy, not expecting this at all, but he's gone. And so life is like a vapor. We have no time to waste avoiding sharing truth with our friends and with our family. Avoiding standing up for the truth. This is all we have. We do not know when we will run out of time. And so we are required to make the most of our time to stand up for the truth, to share the good news. That is our purpose. If you want to know what the mission, the purpose of your life is as a Christian, it is to share the good news of Christ, to proclaim his word to everyone you possibly can so that they may know him. That's your mission. So we are exposing the light. We are not participating in unfruitful things, unfruitful deeds of darkness. We're not associating ourselves with that because we are completely set apart from that. Completely the opposite of darkness. Why would we hang out with darkness? And we are also exposing them to the light. And number three, last one. Heed the call. Heed the call. Now we make a a transition here. Because this was addressed to the believer, right? You can only walk in light and you can only share this truth, really, if you are saved by Christ. If you truly know him. If you have a relationship with him. You can't do that if you are the one needing saving yourself, right? And we're learning about this the entire weekend. And I'm so thankful for Morgan and uh, his clarity. And the book of Ephesians is just amazing. If you ever want to know about the gospel, you read the book of Ephesians and it's so clear you can't escape it. But this is for the believer. But it gives us a heat. It gives us a call to the unbeliever here in verse 14 It says, for this reason, it says awake sleeper and arise from the dead And Christ will shine on you. Awaken from your slumber. So when you have this society that is drifting to wokeness, whatever that means, and indulging in their own sins, indulging in their own desires, what they really need to do is not... Be woke, but to be awake, right? Which we learned about last night. To be awake. It, again, it's like our eyes are shut when we're in darkness and we cannot see the truth and we're helpless. So impactful to hear about Morgan's illustration, right? Of his baby. Wow, what an accurate image. Helpless. Hopeless. I mean, there's nothing that the baby can do, not breathing. Until God intervenes, until God awakens their souls, until God makes them alive. And then it's a sigh of relief that we are finally alive in Christ. If that's you today, you've heard it over and over again. You know that you are a sinner, I hope. And I pray that the word is convicting you this weekend that you must awaken from your dead souls. It's Christ who saves us, but we must put our faith in Christ and we must repent from our sins, right? I love Jesse's reminder. If you're not taking this weekend seriously yet, I I just feel so sorry. Because this is the most important thing in your life. We can, I mean, we hired the best bus company, I think. I mean, it's a pretty good, reputable bus company. But um, I didn't hire this ice and this snow. And uh, there was a landslide on the road. So uh, I pray to God that we don't, you know, go off the cliff. And that's it. You don't know when you're going to die. And so you must take this seriously. Right? There's no time to waste. Why risk? Sending your soul to hell. If you have the opportunity to give your life to Christ, to receive the most amazing gift ever, it's free. It's wonderful. It's completely changed my life. And uh, and I want you to share in that, too. And you want others, if you are already in Christ, you want to share that with others also. You want them to experience the same truth. Amen? Amen. It's, a, it's a wicked world. And it's going, only going to get worse. And so you stay in your word, you study it, you love it, and you preach it to others. And you share it with others. That's all that we can do until Christ returns. He takes us home. All right? Let's stay true to his word, let's stick to his word, depend on his word. And let's pray now as we do that. Father, your word is is all that we need. When there is so much confusion in the world and we're trying to walk wisely and we're trying to live for you, let us not look to the left or to the right, but to your word. Not to men, not to the world's advice, we don't need to shift with the culture. We need to stay in your word and obey it. Lord, I'm so thankful again that you have given us your son. And uh, he was perfect. And he didn't have to die for us, but he did so because he loves us so much. He died on the cross for our sins. He suffered. He paid for our sins. And he's not dead. He didn't stay dead. He is God. He rose from the, get, from the dead three days later, defeating death and giving us new life. And all we must do is repent from our sins and put our faith in him to give our lives to him. I pray that if there's anything that is keeping us from giving our lives to him, these students, if there's anything that's keeping them from, from giving their lives to you, that you would break them of those chains, that you would open their eyes, that you would allow them to escape the darkness and that they would give their entire lives to you. Lord, help us as we navigate. Help us to stay true, to stick to your word, to depend on your word for all things. Help us to be loving as we expose darkness with the light. And we need you. Help us to depend on you through it all. We want nothing more than to give you glory through all things. We want nothing more than to be just tools and instruments for you and for your glory and for your kingdom. So help us. Help us as we focus our minds even to small groups. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.